Hey everyone, it is Audrey Freeman here with another episode on Sportive AF with the one and only Claire Calvert. I was so excited to be speaking to her and she is such an incredible person. Guys, you are going to love this episode. It is all about dealing with doubts, self-confidence, body image and Claire's amazing career and her ups and downs of the ballet life. So guys, get ready for an amazing episode with Claire. Don't forget to follow her on Instagram. All the links are down below. And don't forget to follow Sportive AF on Instagram for weekly updates of guests, topic ideas, and anything you guys want to talk about. Without further ado, guys, let's get into it. Hi, everyone. I'm here today with the incredibly beautiful and super talented Claire Calvert, who is a first soloist with the Royal Ballet Company in London. Claire, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. No problem. I'm very excited. Thank you. How has your morning been? Yeah, it's been um, good. It's a little bit grey and rainy here in <laughs> England today, which isn't surprising. But um, yeah, good. Went and got some coffee and had some breakfast so far. So it's been nice. Lovely. And what's your typical morning like? Well, it's um, a Saturday um, morning. So Due to COVID, we're not working weekends as much um, at the moment. And um, I've kind of been enjoying having my two-day weekends, which used to be non-existent um, in our normal sort of routine of things. So I usually still get up, you know, around eight o'clock-ish anyway. And then, yeah, breakfast and coffee is the the most important thing. (laughs) Get started. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely coffee is a must for me as well. And yeah. how, how have you been going with COVID lockdown? Like, because it's your second one in England, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, this one is, uh, I think they're sort of calling it like a soft lockdown because it's not as um, sort of rigid as the first one. Um, this time we've been grouped in as sort of uh, more like elitist athletes so we are actually still going into the opera house and still rehearsing and um, being able to do class in the studios and stuff, which makes a huge difference compared to last time where, you know, it was the whole kitchen bars and oh. workout room and stuff like that. So that that is a huge difference for us compared to last time. So, yeah, that would be much better. And I know so many people like... I guess different parts of the world have different lockdowns. Like in Australia, I mean, we're basically back to normal, which is very lucky. But I know some people are still in quite an intense lockdown. Um, And do you have any tips on like staying motivated and I guess positive during those uncertain times? Yeah, I mean, I remember speaking to um, my boss, Kevin, uh, hair on the phone like he was doing a couple of like calling around people and stuff and he was you know how are you doing and and I was like I'm just trying to live by the fact that anything has to be better than nothing right now like anything you do you have to see it as a positive and that it will come back to you when you're able to you know go back to work and start doing things because like you can't beat yourself up too much in the sense of, you know, there's only so much that you can do. Um, but at the same time, be like proud of yourself that you, if you 
do you know when you do keep going and do an extra like pilates class or you know spend a bit longer doing your point work or whatever um yeah. but yeah try to you know try and stay strong that way sort of knowing that like this will help in like three months time when <laughs> you know we're hopefully back in the studios and things like that so yeah probably that no that's really good advice almost like giving yourself a pat on the back for kind of any yeah yeah <laughs> No, that's so good. I love that. <laughs> now, for anyone who doesn't know you, which I'm sure most listeners do because you're incredibly amazing and so successful in the ballet industry. So can you give us a little bit of how you got started and yeah, what led you to where you are now? Yeah, so um, I started uh, ballet pretty young, I think like three or four. Um, but both my sister and I did a lot of, you know, after school activities, if you like, you kind of, we did, yeah, all sorts of things. Um, but I don't really remember sort of having this really strong feeling of like, this is what I wanted to do with um, ballet. I obviously must have enjoyed it because I, I obviously kept going and did those things, but I did have other like, things that I enjoyed doing as well sports athletics and stuff like that I was definitely like a physical person mm -hmm. um in one of my ballet exams that I did we I don't know if they still do the same but you used to have two sheets of paper and one had like your marks for each thing and then one was like a written comment right um and in the comment section the examiner said that they thought I should audition for junior associates which oh. is the program that is attached to the Royal Ballet School but they have the the setup in different parts of England to try and you know see the whole country um and sort of spot talent around the country to bring you know potentially to the Royal Ballet School yeah um so I auditioned for that and I got in and mine was based in Bath and Bristol um area so I did that for three years and while I was there my teacher at the uh JA said that they thought I should audition for White Lodge yeah. so I went to the summer school I went with who is still one of my best friends uh Bethany Kingsley Garner who's the principal in Scottish Valley now we started at JA's together um and went all the way through the school and everything so and I remember she was really homesick and <laughs> I I don't know why, but I, I felt like that that was obviously a normal emotion to have. So I just also was then homesick and was like <laughs> upset. So I feel like I didn't like copy her, but I also was like, I wasn't really sure, like, I guess, you know, how, you know, I was away from home for a week, you know, it, yeah. it was obviously, I also was like, oh, she's like upset. And like, and so I was like, oh, like, maybe like I should be upset. <laughs> very strange. you're um, like oh my god she's crying I should definitely do that as yeah, well <laughs> I, because you know that's obviously the emotion that you're supposed to have I don't know it was because obviously you know you miss your family and things like that but I I don't I don't remember sort of being particularly worried about that but she was very homesick and I just sort of also decided that I sh should be a bit homesick after that, I auditioned for the school and it wasn't like a question that I wasn't going to go. Mm. Um, 
And so then I did five years at White Lodge. Wow. Um, in Richmond Park, which full-time boarding. I did get, you know, obviously a little bit homesick when I was there, but yeah. I found it easier to cope if I just stayed. Like, you could go home at weekends and things mm. like that. Obviously, half terms and summer holidays, I obviously went home because they were longer than a week or two. Um, but if I went home, by the time you get home on a Saturday um, late afternoon, you literally have dinner, go to bed, and then it's almost driving back. And I, it, yeah. I found it really disruptive and it made me more emotional to have to leave again. Whereas if I just stayed... And also I feel like a lot of the bonding and the fun that you have at a boarding school is when you're like cooped up on a weekend with nothing to do and you have to like make your own fun kind of thing. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and then after that, I got offered a school and did three years at the upper school and was in, in my final year, which is um, the graduation year. I was lucky that the director of Dutch National um, actually came into the school to watch, which is not something that is hugely common. Mm-hmm. Mostly people go out to do auditions. Mm-hmm. So he watched like some class and Polydor, and he offered me and another guy in the company, Yannick, um, who's um, in Paris Opera now, a job at Dutch National. Um, and this was in the first half term of wow. the uh, year. So it was like pretty early on, like yeah. I had audition photos done, like I had, you know, I hadn't, you know, done anything. And so how it kind of worked with Gaylene is, I guess, like she did a lot of the negotiating for us in the way of that my, our understanding was that she then went to Royal EMB and BRB and she would sort of say, this person's been given a job. Do you want them? Otherwise, they're going to take this kind of thing. Yes, yeah. Um, by Christmas, I had accepted my job with Royal, mm-hmm. which was, like, pretty crazy. And also, like, just, you know, that was, like, it. Yeah. You know? And we had two terms left of the school, but I, you know, knew that I had that job and I was really lucky because I worked with the company like so much in that year like I had my own place in snowflakes I had my own place in um swans and and stuff like that and so I feel like I I got a really good understanding of you know the kind of work that you have to do in the rep and you know all my holidays I was working with the company and stuff like that so it was it was a good sort of help of transitioning I think but still, when you actually join and then you don't have all that other extra stuff that you were doing at the school on top of, you know, what you're doing, it's still, you know, a bit of a, like, it's not like, anticlimax is the wrong word because obviously it's super exciting and, you know, you're part yes. of the Royal Ballet doing all this amazing rep and surrounded by these insane dancers. Like, when I joined... You know, it, Darcy had just left, which I was a bit upset about. I was like, yeah. I wish that I could there like one year with her or something. Yeah. Um, but like the people that were at the top, you know, were like Tamara, Alina, Carlos, Johan. Oh my goodness. You know, Miyako was still coming and like, you know, just being around those people was just, you know, 
incredible. Yeah, so, but definitely still, you know, it's, it is a change when suddenly you're sort of left to your own devices more and, you know, you don't have as much attention in class and, you know, yeah. you might just be covering things and, you know, learning to deal with all of that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, so then now I've been in the company, I, th I think this is my 14th season. I'm terrible oh. working all of that out, but yeah, <laughs> it's... it's um, it doesn't feel like that, but it, it's, I, yeah, it's been. That's it's amazing. Been, yeah. Now, going back a little bit, that's an amazing journey. And wow, like I've enjoyed every moment or has there been definitely parts where you're questioning yourself, doubting yourself? Tell me a bit about that. Yeah, I mean, obviously everyone has their own internal struggles with lots of things. I think on paper, I've had a see, like a seemingly pretty smooth ride when it comes to like sort of stepping stones to get to where you want to get to right. but I think I definitely I don't feel like it was ever just handed to me on a plate I've always had a good work ethic and I I don't ever I, I don't feel like you know other people might see it differently because everyone has their own view on how things are and you know okay. I, I'm not a hugely I'm a pretty open person but I'm also not like like someone that just dumps all my emotion and feelings into a room or in a situation so I, I usually hold it all in and have an exterior of that you know I'm just powering through and working hard and nothing affects me um, <laughs> yeah so, um but yeah I think it would be pretty unheard of for anyone to not have emotional and physical issues going, you know, through into the kind of career and job that we have. Definitely. And there are kind of two transitions. I mean, there's, there's many through a dancer's career, but from White Lodge to upper school, how did you find that transition? Because there's quite a difference in schedules yeah yeah I think um again like I I I know this more now as um as a more senior like member of the company and and knowing and senior dancer I guess in, yeah. in general it's like I actually respond better to a lot of work mm. um it suits me very well sometimes I feel like I've done my best work when I've been like almost like on that verge of I, I that's often when I feel like my fittest kind of thing yeah. um I think still you know even still you know the first two years at upper school because you're still juggling a bit that school thing like as in yeah. the like academic stuff there's still that kind of like you know whereas third year when it's literally just about doing ballet like that's when I was really sort of like you know you feel like much more like a dancer there's still sort of that element of like are you still have to go sit in a classroom for like a period of the day and you know kind of broken up like that so yeah and did you feel while at school and I guess you could say in company life as well do you feel there's any rivalry or competitiveness towards your, I guess, classmates or 
work colleagues? And do you feel that having that competition is necessary or do you find it's better just to all be, I guess, individual? Yeah, I think it's a hard one because I think, you know, in theory, in, in a competitive industry, having people to push you or to, to make you want to be better um, should be a positive thing. If it becomes too personal, if it's about being better than a particular person, that's, I think that's unhealthy and not a right way to think. But to have people to aspire to be or like to sort of watch somebody do something and, and want to do it as well as them or like think, oh how could I make it better but in my way or or something I think you know that's always a better way of looking at it but I guess I I don't feel like I've ever really experienced rivalry I've definitely experienced feeling like you know why did they get that and I didn't yes kind of thing but I think that's less that's like everything in life. <laughs> yep. That's not ballet. That's like a um all round life thing. Yes. Why did that happen to me, not to them? And like why how did this happen? And that's definitely in general. Yeah. Um, yep. Totally. Um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I think it is like healthy until it gets to a personal point where it's like too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what would be your best advice for any young listeners listening who are, I guess, on the cusp of that stage of getting into a company and wanting to put themselves out there to get a job? Yeah, I think it's something that I recognise more now. And I guess that's why I'm sort of choosing maybe to say something like this. It's not necessarily something that I would have thought at the time. I think that it's really important to try and be yourself try and put yourself forward in a way that you want to be seen how you want to you know go on in your career because I think one of the hardest things as a professional and as a performer is to be comfortable with yourself Mm. and be confident in that and and know that if you feel confident, what comes across to a director or to the audience or to your colleagues or people is, is confidence. It's really hard to, like, pretending that you're confident, like, it just never looks the same. It just doesn't project as well. And so, you know, it sounds obviously really easy to be like, oh, you know, just actually be confident. Like, obviously, that's easier said than done. But I think... You know, really thinking about what your positive things are and how you're going to, you know, show them off and how you want to, yeah, be seen. And I think, you know, owning that and being, trying to be as confident and, and positive about um, those things as much as possible, I would say. That's great advice. And I totally agree. And as you said, like, it's it's about having that authentic confidence because, I mean, fake confidence as well will only last so long and then yeah. you'll need to kind of 
reestablish yourself and your values and everything. So that's great advice. Thanks, Claire. I'm going to go on to, because you were doing soloist roles quite early on, weren't you? Yeah. And how was that? Did you feel any pressure that came with that? Yeah, well, my first, yeah, like soloist role was, well, I mean, I guess in some, like, really, it's actually more than a soloist role. Like, Lilac Fairy is often seen as a principal role, really. Um, And I remember I really wanted to cover it. And I'd sort of, you know, been a bit ballsy and said, you know, went to Monica and said, I'd really like to cover it. She said, you know, no, you know, I've got lots of people covering already you can't and I was like okay um and Ursula who was ballet mistress at the time she was doing like an outreach thing um with another guy in the company which is kind of going to schools and and things like that to show ballet and she was like oh would you like to be the lilac fairy in in this and I was like oh yeah I'd love that (laughs) um so we were rehearsing a bit for that and then she said to Monica that I was doing this for this thing and could I come along to one rehearsal Monica also having worked with her a lot now you know she is an amazing coach and I feel very um lucky that I got to work with her especially on like roles that she created as well so like you know I knew that just getting in the room with her would be like an amazing opportunity anyway yeah um I went along to one rehearsal and did a bit and stuff and then sort of came like apparent that there wasn't that many casts and the people that were learning it also maybe weren't ready or kind of quite up for it yet and stuff so Monica was like oh actually can you come along to this sort of it was a bit of a sort of auditiony sort of process and then I got shows wow Um, so it was a bit of a of a sort of a battle a little bit but once I got on you know then that kind of from there I think the next season or maybe it was the season after I got to do Mistress in Manon which um, was amazing and again that's a role that she created and it was amazing to you know work with her on that and I feel like you know those two things were you know really significant things in my career really but what was interesting was their very high ranking roles but I hadn't never did a lot of soloist work like I basically did core stuff and then like these two like major role principal roles basically so it was kind of odd because I would have like these big things to do but then would be like doing lilac fairy in the matinee and then being a knitting woman in the (laughs) evening like yeah sort of like no like in between <laughs> in between and I remember when I was promoted to soloist there was a huge amount of the soloist rep that I hadn't done but I'd done stuff that was like above that yeah like I you know did lilac fairy before doing any other fairy like I did <laughs> mistress before doing any of the courtesans you know it came also with its challenges in that it was kind of conflicting information for me in some ways because it was like oh here you can do this but there's not room for you to do 
these things because I have soloists to do the this work right. yeah so I guess there was maybe more of a gap in that particular area that I could fill but I wasn't I couldn't get over yeah. um, the, the hump to get to there without them like stepping on people's toes that are in that rank already Right. Um, so you were getting like mixed messages. Yeah, a little bit. I feel like it was, yeah, it was quite, yeah, conflicting a bit sometimes in that kind of way. And obviously, you know, things like those kind of ballets we don't do every year. Yeah. So there might be a season where, you know, you don't have as much. And then, you know, there's one season where these things are in the rep and there's quite a lot of shows. And then you're suddenly seem to be doing quite a lot. And I think that's what's, you know, you learn through years of being in the company is that so much depends on rep, depends on like who's injured, who's having babies, like, <laughs> you know, shows there are in a run of something, you know, that really can make or break your career. Right. Um, you know, lots of things at play that are just not even in your control, which is also what makes it like hugely frustrating at all. <laughs> yeah. And I guess, I guess if coronavirus and this whole pandemic, it's living in uncertainty. And I guess that, yeah. as you're saying, that seems yeah. a lot of company life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is a whole other, you know, <laughs> added to the problems that we already had. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. I know that you had a huge, well, I guess a big injury. Uh, yeah. Midweek. When was that in your company life? Yeah, so uh, it was my first season as a soloist. And I guess so then as a soloist, uh, I was suddenly doing also a lot more rep. I I debuted in Gamzati that year. I debuted in Concerto. But I was also doing more soloist rep as well. I was about to debut in Mitzi in Myling. And I'd been all day and then I was on in the show. And there's like in the first scene, there's like a big court scene and everyone's waltzing around. And then all the like royal family start going off and we go into like a big curtsy, but for a really long time. So you basically just kneel because you can't (laughs) hop for that amount of time. And stood up and it was like someone had kicked me in the back of the leg. And I was like, oh, that was weird. And sort of just carried on waltzing around to the end of the scene and then it was my dance, um, which wasn't a particularly heavy dance. So I wasn't worried about not being able to do it. But I'm pretty sure I did it with like the same concern slash shocked face for the whole thing. Because I was like, I'm not sure what's going on, but something's definitely happened. Like it was really- <laughs> I finished the show and I was like, something just wasn't a painful but just something just did not feel right like I could feel it in my stomach I was like like I know that there is something wrong here like I was like I'm not sure what like but I think something is wrong had that gut feeling yeah like real gut feeling like I can like I can still really remember like feel it now if when I think about it I'm like I can feel that feeling when I was like oh my god like (laughs) this like I've done something anyway I did that typical denial thing of like oh just go to bed and when I wake up it will be fine like so I was like go to bed wake up and I was like no it's not fine <laughs> so 
I work and um, I was like, oh, you know, it doesn't feel good. It wasn't particularly swollen or anything at the time. And I was in my head, I was thinking like I was hoping that I'd like tore my meniscus or something, um, which, you know, isn't to be sneered at. Like it still would be said and stuff like that but I was like worst case scenario slash best case scenario I'm thinking Tom meniscus you know you have a little clean up and like three four months you know I'll be back and that's anyway I went for a scan and then god knows why but for some reason after my scan I came back and because I was supposed to be debuting in Mitzi I was like I'm just gonna try and see if I can do anything so I was like sort of trying to do a bar but couldn't really like engage my leg properly and like it was I mean just ridiculous <laughs> anyway, I got a call from my physio who was like uh like where are you what are you doing and I was like I was just, he was like do not do anything else he was like do not move like you know just this is ridiculous and anyway basically what had happened I had an osteochondral lesion which is basically a scab of damage that you know you can get on your body parts and it fell off when I did this curtsy, obviously. And when the scan was taken, this uh, body that was floating around was lodged underneath my kneecap. <gasps> and so why he was like, we don't know if it's stuck there or like if it's just moving around, that's where it's taken, but you have to not put any weight on it now, like <gasps> until... And so oh, I was just no. like, yes, ridiculous. And like, as soon as he said that, like I was like, I knew that this was going to be big, like a big job. (laughs) So um, I obviously knew I was going to have to have surgery. That was like a given, Um, which, you know, at that time, most of the people that had had surgery in the company, it wasn't really many, but my perception was that they never really came back the same. Right. And so I like, right like this is sort of you know like I'd seen a couple of people had had to stop dancing like Ivan Putrov like after his knee you know he just wasn't he he couldn't push quite the same and I was thinking oh god anyway long story short I had the surgery which was basically they drill the bone to make it bleed and then you grow like almost like scabbing over again so like no it's hectic I had to like not wait there for six weeks and I did my knee for me so that like the the stuff that I was growing whatever that was from the microfracturing didn't grow above the bone line otherwise I would have had like a like like over the edge of the bone so it was like in this thing that literally moved so slowly like moving moving and then I would ice and then I would be moving yeah for like six weeks and then after six weeks I started to weight bear but I could only put like 10% body weight on at a time so like I was literally on scales like putting like to learn or teach myself how to put so little weight on so slowly building that up until eventually after three months I could walk so that was (laughs) (laughs) that that is absolutely insane so that was a big injury but then after that once I was walking I was like 
this is it, like time to go. And I was back on stage in, in six months. After wow. That. Pretty good going. So it was nine yeah. months I was off after all, which, you know, they said like at least a year I would be off. And the thing, my first show back was one of the four Russian girls with the main Russian girl in Serenade, which is anyone that's done that or seen that knows that it's hard. There's a yeah. lot of jumping. Like, so, like, I wanted to come back with something that made me feel like I knew that I was back and that I could do everything and, yeah. um, and stuff. And so even though when I sort of look back on it now, there were definitely times where I was like, this could have been, it was definitely career ending. Like, it could yeah. have been. When I did the surgery, they took the bit of, like, bone and cartilage that fell off and they grew off that me some cartilage for in case the microfracturing didn't work and like a year later they called me and they were like do you want this bit of cartilage and I was like I don't know I should keep it just in case <laughs> just as a memento to remember <laughs> I put it on a necklace like I was literally like this is yeah ridiculous but yeah so I also really tried to focus also on the fact that you know as well, basically, since I was 11 and started training at the Royal Ballet School, like, all I have ever done is listen and be told what to do. This is your schedule. These are your classes. This is how we want you to be. This is, you know, and I just really tried to make that time about me and what I wanted to achieve, how I wanted to improve my body, improve my technique, improve this, that or the other. And try to make it that kind of focus rather than a focus of what I was missing or what I was missing out on. I tried mm -hmm. to use it. After, and I was just, I mean, I would spend hours, you know, in the gym and in Pilates and doing stuff and like, but I knew it was all for me and I chose to be there. I made my schedule, I booked in like my, my things to do and it was about me. It wasn't about yeah anyone else sort of saying oh this is what you have to do I mean obviously I had people telling me the exercises to do and things like yeah. that but as in I chose to go I chose to be in the gym for three hours I chose to you know do all of those things um yeah. so it I actually feel like for me it was in some ways quite a positive experience and also like had a bit of a refresh on myself and my career um, but it definitely also was like stressful as well. Definitely. Obviously, I'm not I'm lying if I was like, yeah, it was like all fun. And like, <laughs> um, obviously times like when I was like, you know, on my crutches with a backpack going to the fridge to put stuff in my backpack to come and sit back down. <laughs> like at times where I was like, oh my God, what is happening? <laughs> You're like, what has my life come to? I'm packing a backpack <laughs> to eat food. I know. No, yeah. but that that's amazing. And I think um, how you said that you kind of moved your focus onto yourself rather than, you know, worrying about, again, like what you can't control and looking yeah. at what you can control really is a positive experience out of that. Yeah. Injuries are quite common for dancers. Um, maybe not that, <laughs> that yeah. big, yeah. but for dancers, you know, we always have niggles and maybe time off two weeks or maybe two months, you know. 
And what would you say is like your best advice for people, even if it's two days, two weeks, two months, just like on keeping that refreshing, positive mindset? I think one thing I definitely learned when I was doing my rehab is that like rest is just as important as like the physical stuff that you put in. If you don't let your body recover, you know, it's no use to you. And I think whether it is, like you say, two days, two months or six months, having the right ratio of input and output is is really important and yeah that's definitely something that you know I I still turn up to a gym session or whatever and the trainer will be like what are you doing here like you were here yesterday and the day before and I'm like yeah but I just don't really feel like I'm doing very much and he's like go away like you've been you know because it's it's not helpful you need time to recover and let the like almost like let the work that you've done seep into your body you know and and I think that when the mentality of, you know, I would say most dancers and the stuff that's pushed out by, you know, teachers, you know, this, you know, work hard, you only get things if you work hard, like yeah. that is obvious important, you have to work hard. But if you just burn yourself out, then you're all that hard work that you've put in is for nothing because you won't be able to do what you need to do anyway and so I think you know if it is two days maybe you should just take those two days to rest but then what is important is not just to go straight back into what you were doing you know you need to build up or you need to look at what you need to strengthen or whatever the situation is but I think yeah that having that right balance of rest and working is is really important Yeah, I I totally agree. And I feel like now, like a lot of messages are like, go, 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 like grind hard, like work always. Um, It's also like quality over quantity sometimes doing quality work rather than like 15 hours a day and then like sleeping for a little bit and then getting up and doing it all again. Um, So I really like the point you made about really recovering and resting. Now we're going to move on to the really, really highly requested subject of body image. And I feel like it is a super important subject to talk about, especially in our industry, because I mean, we're wearing a leotard and tights most days, which (laughs) not not many workplaces do. And for me, the first time I felt quite self-conscious and aware of my body in a more negative way was when I was actually kind of going from my child's body to my adult's body or teenager's body. And I feel like a lot of the time it's hard to accept that. And I know a lot of people have messaged me and I know a lot of my friends as well that it's hard to accept that, you know, you might be growing hips or you might be growing, you know, your bust. And I guess for anyone out there who is going through that now, do you have any advice or did you have the same experience? It's, um, it's something like I, I think about quite a lot and looking back on my experience, but also the upper school is joined with the company, you know, is across the bridge of aspiration (laughs) and, (laughs) you know, seeing when 
some of the students work with us and how they change and then if they join the company how they change and you know having seen that from both sides of me also with people that I've known that were older than me that have changed and things like that I think the thing that I find most interesting well not interesting but like I am unsure of about the situation is how you help women understand what is going on with their body and how they can deal with it in whether they want to make changes of their diet or their exercise or those kind of things to help them deal with what they're going through with puberty and stuff like that or whether it's just accepting that that kind of thing has to happen to then become you know a young professional woman you know I think there's a lot of judgment that goes on um sort of around the like oh now they're a bit chubby or now they're fat and it's like I'm not sure like how they can differentiate between like someone's actually eating badly Mm. you know and actually has put on weight or whatever or that like it's some hormonal thing that they actually can't control or that like they just developed at a certain time which made people think like oh why did she suddenly like now she's suddenly got much bigger breasts or like blah blah blah. why that Mm. how that is communicated and and makes people feel like they've done something wrong like it wasn't supposed to happen and now that has happened that it means like that it's a problem because you know certainly I feel like I want to watch when I go to watch a company I want to watch men and women I don't want to feel like I'm watching a school show and nothing to do with how skinny they are that's to do with how they physically look like as over the years I've seen many really tiny people that still look like women you know it's it's important to to acknowledge that but I think because we like you say are in leotard and tights from the age of however old looking in mirror ourselves watching ourselves change it is hard not to feel like the things that are changing about you aren't helpful for ballet or whatever but yeah I mean it's it's a it is a difficult subject because from experience seeing people that you know hit puberty much earlier and it's been sort of like oh you know and then 10 years down the line they're smaller than everybody else you know it's how you can judge people those kind of things I find it really difficult because I I feel like it's unfair judgment of of that kind of thing so yeah I think that there's such a fine line as you said I've never really thought of that how it's like it's hard to know what exactly it is for you know a teenager like and as well the thing is like the hormones could be causing the girl to eat more and feel like she needs to fuel her body and it's such a hard one um and I think just talking about it and putting out positive messages as well um, and opening up conversations like this uh, is help is helpful. And you know, if I heard 
you know, someone like yourself speaking on this uh, when I was going through that definitely would have helped me as well because you don't know if it's hormones, if it's, you know, what you're eating, diet, if there's people that can help you or literally just people who are talking about it, which I yeah. think, you know, is definitely the way forward for everyone. And as you said, rather than watching almost like a school performance, I feel like for so long, people in the ballet industry, maybe not specifically now, but in some companies, they still have that almost prepubescent look for dancers and very small, um, petite, slim. Uh, do you feel that dancers of today or future coming generations are changing that way of looking at it? Yeah, I think, I mean, I feel like, you know, there's still a long way to go, but that stereotypical, you know, would definitely when I was at White Lodge and stuff, I definitely thought you had to be skinny, like skinny, skinny to be a ballerina. You know, I think Darcy definitely was the first person to sort of kind of be a little bit outside that box and I obviously I mean she was obviously still like I mean she had an amazing body but she definitely had a more athletic look than yeah. than others and very um, womanly which is like great to see as well yeah and I feel like it has changed in the sense of that like you know there is less there's just more that I feel like there's more diversity in in body types and stuff like not everyone you know there's not as an as uniformed look like not everyone is I think you do see it in certain companies like in Russia and things like everyone does have a of a similar look yeah um, at Royal like that definitely is not the case like there's a lot a lot more variety you know, of, of body types and things and I think that that's important and because I feel like that's what brings individuality to performances as well because certain body types and certain attributes will bring different strengths to different roles or different abilities to do things and stuff yeah. and to lose out on seeing those kind of things because they don't fit into a perfect ballet body and again you know it's obviously something that's talked about a lot at the moment is you know diversity in ballet not just in body types but in color and race and things and I think mm -hmm. that's unfortunately the ballet world it is based on opinions that started a a long time ago and b that are so old school that they think they can't change them it's important to realize that wasn't like found in a book somewhere that this was how it had to be like somebody just decided that ballerinas had to look a certain way you know i remember actually at white lodge finding a book and it had like bullet points of what a dance like what a ballerina had to look like <laughs> and one of them was even to be pretty, <gasps> no. you know, and like, I remember reading it and thinking, this is interesting <laughs> because it's, it was so, and you know, things like long legs and da -da -da -da, like, small like, head, yeah, like all these like ridiculous things. And I was like, and in my head, I remember thinking like, you know, oh, this is very spe specific. And I was like, you know, how you can put a cap on something like that, mm -hmm. you know, and because again, like what somebody finds beautiful isn't necessarily what everyone else finds beautiful. 
and when people go to watch a performance they're not just watching the physicality of what the dancer can do they're also following a story and you know it's up to the the performer to make you believe or make you know the story or know what's going on whether they've got long legs short legs big head small head like <laughs> it's it is more than what we physically look like or it should be and so it has changed it still has a long way to go and still has further to go but I, I hope that it's something that will continue to evolve. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, as you said, diversity, not just in body types, but in race, in, in everything. It's so important. Yeah. And for, I guess we all have days where it's like a little harder or you're not feeling as confident in yourself, maybe in your body, maybe mentally, maybe just in general. How do you deal with that? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Earlier on, like I, I am the kind of person that tends to sort of push things down and like hero on kind of, you know, <laughs> like if I'm having those kind of days, I try and sort of go back to back to basics of like what I'm doing, like where I'm at. You know, we start every day with class and like if I'm in a place where I'm a bit like, Oh, not feeling great. I try to sort of like in class really focus on the things that like I I feel like I'm naturally good at. Yeah. So trying to use them to feel good about myself. So whether it's that, you know, I feel like I'm quite good at jumping. So like when it comes to jumps, like really doing them really well and being like, you know, I I did those and I did them well and that's that's good. Yeah. Um but Sometimes you just have to like ride with it a little bit as well because you know some days are just days for <laughs> not being positive and just being yep. like yeah so again like in the ballet world the mental health side of it is is also not taken into consideration much there like it's just there is so much that a dancer deals with you know on a day-to-day basis plus Dealing with live performances, I think also is like, is a huge mental strain. You know, whether the show went well or not for you, you have the opinions and judgments of other people. You then also have to come in the next day, do it all again, or like do a different part. And But you have to go in and do rehearsals or, and you never really have that time to actually evaluate how you feel about it you know those kind of things and sometimes it just becomes a roll-on effect until you do get to a point where you're like yeah I actually feel not good about this and I need to do something about it or make a change or like get help or you know speak to someone because you know I definitely feel like I've had points where like had a run of shows and I get to the end and I'm like I'm not sure I even enjoyed them because I was thinking about so many other things did I think it was good? Did my boss think it was good? Does everyone else around me think that it's good? Like, do I feel like I look good enough at the moment? Do I, like, all, all these things. And I think it's a shame for things to get lost in those moments because really I, sh- I shouldn't be feeling any of those things. You know, I'm a first soloist at the Royal Ballet and, yeah. like, you know, I've worked hard and I have a, I've had a great career and all those kind of things. But, like, 
it's really hard to not let those things creep in and that's what I do try to do sometimes is like go back to the beginning and reset from like the doing class point of view so where like I feel like it all starts yeah um, and try and like feel good when I'm doing that to like make the rest of the day feel more positive and that you're going forward in a positive way but it is it's it's also something that I think needs to be talked about more like actual people's feelings (laughs) definitely definitely and I think just like even like us talking about it today like the amount of questions you got specifically just on mental health body image all of that type of thing is just crazy because and and it's it's completely good and it's a positive thing that people want to talk Mm -hmm. about it and I think yeah. just, I think just creating the movement to talk about it more, and as you said, talk about people's feelings, um, yeah. how people actually are doing, you know, in their heads and in themselves. Yeah. And as you said, like it's so normal as well. Like listening to you as a first soloist, royal ballet, having moments of doubt and moments of feeling not as confident. You know, everyone I've spoken to so far on the podcast has said the exact same thing. And for someone like myself and the listeners hearing that is, yeah. you know, it's it's hard to believe, but at the same time, it's, it's normal. You're, yeah. you're all human as well. And I really love how you you tend to go back to the basics when you're not feeling as good. Yeah. Even when you were injured, like going back to the basics and like kind of reassessing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the thing is, and I think, you know, like I touched upon earlier about finding things in yourself to be confident about, you know, like it is really important. Like it's also such a horrible trait of dancers to always like, highlight the negatives before they would ever highlight a positive and also that if you said something positive about yourself that it was like you were being big-headed or something like yeah. like I know that I have good feet if I'm if I was to be like oh my oh my feet a bit rubbish yeah. like that just like you know who feel better like certainly doesn't make other people feel better and it doesn't really make me feel like like why am I putting myself down either like it's you know and so I think it's it is important to acknowledge those things about yourself and also if there are things that you aren't happy with or don't like is there something you can do to to change that or make it better or are you going to work even harder on the thing that you are good at so that the thing that you you don't feel like is a a strong thing about you you know it it won't even matter because this other thing you know you've just so amazing amazing in or you know brings so much to a performance or whatever like and I think that it is important to to evaluate that in yourself and acknowledge and or like if if you feel like you're one of those people that's like I don't think there's anything good about myself. Speak to your friends about it. Speak to your family about it. Speak to your teacher about it. Like, you know, I'm really struggling, you know, to find anything positive about myself. Like, what do you think? Get feedback from other people, you know, because sometimes it is hard to see yourself and see yourself as you really are. And, you know, as long as it's someone that you trust and, 
you know feel like you can talk to in that way and that's not gonna um also just say what you want to hear because that's also not um the point of it yeah um I think that yeah it is important to you know try and find some positivity to you know hold on to for yourself yeah definitely like having confidence without ego yeah no I I love that and to end the podcast Claire it's been such a pleasure but I would like to ask all of my guests what makes yeah. you feel most confident in your skin <sighs> what makes me feel most confident in my... I think um now I think I, I didn't always feel like this but I feel like now when I when I'm on stage and in a performance and actually on there performing and all the work that I've put in to this moment I wouldn't say it is all the time but I do have moments where I'm like this feels like me and I feel really confident in myself and and things like that but I think also I I feel very happy in my personal life at the moment and that makes a huge difference um I don't feel like I'm a single person I feel like I'm part of a unit and like that also makes me feel very safe and confident in myself and it's not to say that like I don't feel like I could feel like that if I was on my own um because I have felt like that when I got back from my injury that was another time where I felt really confident in my myself and in my own skin and all those kind of things and I think it isn't that that's obtainable to feel like that all the time. Mm. Um, I yeah. think that there, it's, it's that there will be certain times and certain situations where you have those moments and you're like, yeah, this is me. And I feel like I'm really being me right now and, and yeah. feeling. Um, so, yeah, I think. like when you're smiling and it's actually like you can't stop it (laughs) (laughs) yeah I know what you mean that's definitely a great a great place to feel super confident in your own skin so thank you so much for coming on today Claire I have had the best talk and I feel like all of the listeners will love this so much so thank you thank you so much thank you so much I loved it Okay, guys, that is a wrap for today's podcast episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. I had just the best time and I learned so much. So thank you so much, Claire, for a wonderful episode. Everyone, have a great day or evening wherever you are. Lots of love, Audrey.